Welcome to The World in 10, the big news stories of the day explained and analysed by The Times of London. Today with Tom Howrigan and me, Lou Newton. First, we go to Russia, where there's grave concern over the fate of Vladimir Putin's main political rival. Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny is missing and his whereabouts haven't been clear for a week. He's been held in a Russian prison since 2021 after he was arrested. His flight had just landed back in Moscow because he'd travelled to Germany where he'd had medical treatment for poisoning from Novichok. It's a deadly nerve agent. Now, in August of this year, his sentence was extended by 19 years on charges including extremism. He and his supporters reject those charges. They consider them to be political motivated. Worth saying he was already serving a nine-year jail term. And he was meant to appear in court on December the 7th, but his team don't know where he is, nor do the staff where he was being held. Alida Naylor is covering this for The Times and has the latest. His team and his allies, they had already been preparing for Navalny's transfer to a harsher special regime prison. So it seems that he might currently be transferred. However, this is still a very dangerous situation for him. His press secretary told me that he will be alone with people who have already tried to kill him once. He is also reportedly suffering from serious health issues, no doubt exacerbated by his incarceration. Navalny's disappearance is occurring just as his team has launched a Russia Without Putin campaign. They erected billboards in major Russian cities last week, linking to a website that urged citizens to vote against Putin. The chairman of Navalny's anti-corruption foundation, Leonid Volkov, he said this timing is 0% accidental and 100% direct political control from the Kremlin. His team told reporters that right now they don't expect to hear any updates on his whereabouts for several weeks. Football, or soccer to our American friends, is, for its fans, the beautiful game, the great leveller, or at least that's how they'd like to see it, sometimes. Just like any sport, tempers flare, though, and spill over into fights on the pitch between players. Do you remember the 2006 World Cup final between France and Italy? Very few people can tell you much about that game. The biggest in international football, other than Zinedine Zidane headbutting one of his Italian opponents. Italy won on penalties, by the way. They did indeed, and it's not always the player on the receiving end either. Another French star, Eric Cantona, famously kung fu kicked a fan in the mid-90s. And there's plenty of examples of rival teams' managers squaring up against each other on the touchline too. Referees are used to dealing with players screaming in their faces as well when they think a decision's gone against them. But it is almost unheard of that they are physically attacked. That was at least the case until last night when a match in the top league in Turkey ended in chaos. Now, Ankara Guju were leading 1-0 when in the final seconds of the game, rivals Chaika Rizaspor equalised. Ankara Guju's president was furious and he decided to challenge the referee Halil Umut Mela directly. Charlie Talbot-Smith from the Times Sports Desk told us what happened next. He ran onto the pitch, confronted the referee, punched him with considerable force. Mella fell to the ground and then appeared to be kicked by a couple of other members of sort of the club's backroom staff, it looked like. He's been taken to hospital. The club president and at least two other men have been arrested. Turkish football at every level, not just the top flight, has been suspended. The incredibly violent actions of this man 
and a couple of others have been universally condemned. Gianni Infantino, the FIFA president, has condemned it. It's shocking. It's a really, really shocking video to watch. And it's a bit of a wake-up call, I think, for football in general. It is shocking footage, Charlie. And people are suggesting that something like this was bound to happen sooner or later. This comes at a time when not just football, lots of sports are coming to terms with a crisis in refereeing. You know, abuse online, in person, in the stands, and now from club presidents, it's out of control. I imagine they want to make an example of this man. There might be some games behind closed doors for a while to kind of, I don't know, calm the mood. Just this week, the Greek leagues have said that they're playing until February behind closed doors due to fan violence that has been sort of spreading out of control in Greece. Charlie, thank you. And I should say, you can see a video of what happened with a Times digital subscription and read the defence the club's president gave over his actions. We're told the referee is okay and should make a full recovery. Next month, the people of Taiwan will vote for a new president. And to say China's leader, Xi Jinping, will be watching the election closely is a massive understatement. William Lai is most likely to be the country's next leader. He's a member of the Democratic Progressive Party and Taiwan's current vice president. He's seen as much more outspoken than the current leader, Xi Jinping Wang and is very clear that he sees Taiwan as completely independent. Now, the issue of Taiwan's independence is very controversial for Beijing, which wants the country brought back under Chinese control. It's also warned it will immediately invade if Taiwan formally declares independence. Richard Lloyd Parry is the Times Asia editor and told The World in 10 how Mr Lai and his party get around that. The Democratic Progressive Party leans towards independence, but it has never made a declaration of independence. Were it to do such a thing, it would seriously risk a prompt Chinese invasion. So what they do is they say, as William Lai has recently said, we don't need to declare formal independence because we are our own country. Uh, We don't need to be or say anything more than that. China regards him with great suspicion, has called him a troublemaker. It will certainly not lead lead to any improvement between Taiwan and China. China, I expect, will continue its military incursions over the line in the sea between the two countries in an effort to put pressure on Taiwan. And I think under William Lai, that's likely to continue. It's tension, not war. But how long that will go on, I wouldn't like to venture a guess. As a group of people, I don't think get enough credit generally, Lou, who work ridiculously long hours in some of the most testing conditions just so we have everything we need in the right place. Oh, Tom, how sweet of you. It's nice to feel appreciated. Uh, Well, slightly embarrassingly, I wasn't actually talking about you, even though you have done all of the above today and more. I was thinking of truck drivers and there's nowhere more intense to drive a truck than in India. You've got dusty, bumpy roads, some of the wildest traffic patterns in the world, and the occasional wandering cow to dodge. There's nearly three million lorry drivers in India, and between them, they travel more than 62 billion miles each year. And it's swelteringly hot in the summer. So hot, you could easily pass out. Temperatures routinely get up to 46 Celsius, that's 115 Fahrenheit, in the lorry cabin. And that's why a new law's been 
passed, forcing truck companies to put air conditioning in the cabs so drivers aren't quite so uncomfortable. Now, this is due to come into force in 2025, despite protests from the truck's manufacturing lobby who aren't happy about the higher costs. One union says it's high time this happened, though, as in the summer months it can often feel like the cabin is on fire. I'll never complain about being hot ever again. Before we go, Tom, does the name Hayao Miyazaki mean anything to you? can't say it does? Well, let me tell you. He's an 82-year-old master animator from Japan, and he's directed some of the most successful anime films of all time. My Neighbor Totoro is a famous one from the 1980s. And fans of anime have been on tenterhooks waiting for his latest movie. It's called The Boy and the Heron. Okay, plot details, please. Well, it's typical anime fare, pushing the envelope when it comes to imagination. A boy loses his mother in the Second World War. He then ends up in a fantasy realm with a mysterious heron as his guide. And the reason I mention this is it did really well in the US over the weekend. So well, in fact, it took nearly $13 million, around £10 million, more than any other movie, making it the first anime film ever to go to the top of the box office charts. Wow, so a bit of movie history in the making here. It's particularly impressive, actually. Just reading here, his last movie, The Wind Rises, took $5 million over its entire run throughout North America. And there's more good news for fans of Hayao Miyazaki too. The expectation was The Boy and the Heron would be his very last film, but we now know he's also making another one. Maybe just about time for me to work my way through his back catalogue then before it comes out. Thanks, Lou. And thank you for taking 10 minutes to stay on top of the world with the help of the Times of London. See you tomorrow.